You're listening to Visions of Education, a podcast where we take a look at big ideas in education from different perspectives. Hi, I'm Michael Milton, a high school teacher from Massachusetts. And I'm Dan Kretka, an education professor in Texas. We're here to help bridge the gap between educators in the K-12 and those professors in higher ed. We hope this podcast will help bring those fuzzy ideas in education into focus. Michael, how you doing? I'm great, Dan. How are you today? I'm pretty good. Um, so you're an idea guy. I like the sound of that. I, th- I feel like you you kind of do well when there's lots of ideas being discussed, when you're able to explore ideas, rethink things. So Yeah, so, but I, I would like to say that I am a man of action after a lot of forethought. I feel like you probably... W- also waste a lot of time online too but yeah that's probably also true (laughs) accurate accurate but i know you always are engaging in conversation so like how do you like know who to go to when you want to like engage in like talks about education or history or stuff related to your work oh so like when i have an idea who do i go to yeah um sometimes i just throw it out on twitter like i'll be reading a book and really trying to figure out like What's going on with World War One? Why did it start? And so then I'll I'll pick a little fight on Twitter. I think we've talked about this, mm-hmm. but in that like it's it's engaging with people who are interested in the content, and then we kind of go back and forth, and through that I'm able to kind of refine my ideas, uh, which then lead me into better understanding the topic. Mm. So you know, so you've kind of have like a lot of people on Twitter. You yeah, it's mostly Twitter. You can't just again. You can go up to a random per- random person in a bar and say, "Hey, man, what do you think about World War One?" But you don't always get that level of you know discourse that you want. Sometimes, I mean, it turns out interesting. Um, but I kind of like being pushed back a little bit, and I mm-hmm. feel like people on Twitter sometimes are, are able to be a little bit more critical than that random person I just bothered at a bar. Yeah, and and the thing I like about Twitter is that I've kind of cultivated you know, like who I interact with there, like by following yeah. people, interact with people. Whereas opposed to Facebook, sometimes I don't always enjoy the conversations on big issues there. It's like, Oh, yes, I've seen some of your conversations on big issues. It's also like a bar, except everyone's drunk. I feel like that's what Facebook <laughs> is. But although people would say the same thing about Twitter. Yeah, that's true. That's fair. I guess. So I, I guess, guess the people that you cultivated. Yeah. So I guess we need to talk about that, right? We actually have a number of guests today, don't we? Maybe yeah. we should start to bring them into the conversation about now. Uh, we have, well, obviously, you're going to be a guest today, which is interesting. This is going to be uh, weird. We, I know, I know. I'm like <laughs> the leader of this discussion today. Uh, we have Jeff Carpenter. Jeff, how are you doing? Doing well. Thank you for having me on today. Hey, it's always a pleasure. Although this is my first time having the pleasure of having you on the show. <laughs> and Tori Trust, what's up? What an introduction. I love it. I am doing great. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much for asking. Um, before we kind of like get into more talk, because obviously we're talking about PLNs or professional learning networks. Uh, but first, we kind of want to throw it out, or I'd like to throw it out to learn a little bit more about our two guests who are not Dan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tori, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? All right. So, um, again, my name is Tori Trust, and I'm Assistant Professor of Learning Technology in the Teacher Education and Curriculum Studies Department at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. That was what a long, long title. That's a long title. <laughs> I had to memorize that the first day I came into this job. Um, I'm also so from bit, Massachusetts. 
Yeah, Massachusetts, great state. Absolutely beautiful here. I'm loving it. And all four seasons. I was bragging on Massachusetts as I usually do in my ed history class, not just yeah. because of the you know common school movement, but also the first state to um, desegregate schools. And there's a few other milestones Massachusetts has. We're also the first state to have uh, Tory Trust on board. Yep. <laughs> well, I absolutely love the history here. So it's been fun to be a part of. But I am originally from San Diego, born okay. and raised a surfer and traveler. Um, I come from an entire family of educators, which is what sparked my interest in teaching and learning. Um, and then I discovered I was able to combine my passion for education with my interest in technology. And so I ended up going to San Diego State for a master's degree in education technology. And it was during that program, way back in 2008, uh, that I was first introduced to the idea of a professional learning network. And since then, my professional learning network has grown to following a few blogs on Feedly. Well, actually, back in the day, it was Google Reader. Um, right. To now following more than, I don't know, 300 different blogs and following people on Twitter and connecting. And uh, my professional learning network, or PLN, as uh, most people like to call it, has really helped me stay out on the cutting edge of the field, um, get me job and consulting offers, build my research agenda, and I got to connect with two really incredible, amazing individuals, Jeff and Dan, who I get to collaborate and learn with. So it's a little bit of my backstory in research and education. Now, would you say that surfing has helped you in your professional career, particularly with managing all those with 300 blogs that you're following? <laughs> surfing, I actually wrote a blog post in graduate school about how surfing helps you navigate graduate school because it's kind yes. of a... As you paddle out, you get knocked down over and over by waves and kind of building up that resilience and grit, those common terms we talk about as you wipe out and get knocked down. It's that ability to kind of get back up. And, uh, and that has really helped me through sports and getting through a lot of the challenges I face in grad school and as a faculty. Jeff, Jeff, you were about to say something and I cut you off. Oh, I just, I like surfing as a metaphor for teaching. I think, you know, it, it, it's, it's a metaphor I've used in my classes with future teachers that you can't control everything. Some of it you're just riding on the wave. Absolutely. We're going to use that all the way. Catch the wave. Jeff, uh, tell us a little about yourself. Where, what's your educational background? Um, and how so often do you surf? <laughs> I surfed once, but my center of gravity is way too high, so I, I wasn't built for surfing. Um, I'm also a West Coast boy. I'm from Washington State, but uh, I'm out in North Carolina now. I'm an associate professor at Elon University uh, in the burgeoning metropolis of Elon, North Carolina. Um, I also direct our teaching fellows program, which is a scholarship program. So if you're a high school teacher out there and you've got a student who wants to go become a teacher, send them my way. We've got a great four-year scholarship program, elon.edu backslash teaching fellows. I'll stop <laughs> advertising. Um, yeah, so uh, my first two years out of college, I went and taught in Japan. Um, and I had an interesting experience there. I didn't really know what the heck I was doing. I just wanted to travel the world. Uh, and ended up teaching in Japan because they were willing to hire me to teach in the schools there. And I was exposed to something called lesson study, uh, which is a model of professional development that is teacher-driven and collaborative. And I didn't 100% understand what was going on with lesson study because my Japanese was pretty basic. But I, I did – I was intrigued by it, and it was interesting. And when I came back and started teaching in the U.S., 
it was a real contrast to the attitudes towards professional development that I saw here. A lot of my peers uh, in U.S. public schools were not highly enthused by the, the professional development they had access to. And so I kept thinking back to lesson study and how the, the teachers are so involved and engaged and drove it. And uh, so that's why I did my dissertation on and uh, when I started working at Elon, there wasn't really lesson study around me to study. And I just kind of stumbled on Twitter and saw actually some interesting things happening on Twitter where teachers were also sort of driving their professional learning and collaborating. And so unlike Tori, I didn't have this long history of uh, ed tech interest. I just kind of stumbled into the this world of technology where some of the lesson study-like collaboration was happening. So that's how I got into this or PLN game. So um, we're talking about PLNs, obviously. What exactly is a PLN? How do I get one? Um, can you talk more about generally about what a PLN is and what's the purpose of them? What are they good for? So the term PLN um, has become really popular recently in the last decade or so in the field of education. Um, you know, you look on Edutopia or Edweek or um, even research articles, people are using that term. And um, that's kind of one of the reasons Jeff and Dan and I first set out to explore, you know, how do teachers actually use this term? Because we often use this term and say teachers are building their PLNs and they're doing this and this. Um, but we really wanted to, you know, study the voice of teachers and see, you know, how do they conceptualize a PLN and how does it impact their teaching and learning? So we did a study uh, um, to collect data from 732 teachers, pre-K wow. to 12, uh, around the world, but mostly located in the United States, to um, kind of get some ideas about how they describe their PLNs um, and how they feel it impacts their teaching and learning. Um, and in terms of how they define their PLNs, uh, not surprising at all, it was just completely um, multifaceted responses, which was great to see. So some people said, oh, I'm on Twitter and here are 10 different hashtags I follow. Others said, oh, it's my colleagues plus my grad school professor plus my best friends plus, um, you know, Edutopia that I follow and this blog and that. Um, so people really described these kind of complex overlapping systems um, of learning that uh, often traversed informal, formal spaces online and face-to-face I think one of the things that surprised us a bit was this, um, so many people described their PLNs as both face-to-face and online, uh, because oftentimes uh, when you see it in the literature, when you see people talk about PLNs, they use that term to talk about solely using social media to extend their networks. Um, And that's how I first learned about PLNs was uh, through Edmodo and Twitter and Facebook. And so that's what I visualized as a PLN, but Um, seeing these responses of people who said their colleagues, their friends, their family, people at local conferences um, really showed that it's this kind of um, multifaceted system of um, people and resources, uh, spaces and tools uh, that come together to support teacher-driven learning. I think when when we did this study, one thing that kind of came to my mind about defining what PLNs are is a um, tweet I saw from Sean McCusker, who is an old SS chat co-leader back in the day and he always described his activities online as go where you grow and I feel like there's something to that kind of being in the way that people described PLNs. So how do PLNs affect what teachers actually do? 
Yeah, so I think the we predi- we knew that we would get some data from teachers saying things like I learned how to use this app or I was I learned about this instructional strategy. So we we were predicting some of that would be in the data in terms of what teachers learned and and how it affected their practice. Um, we saw a lot more than just that, though, in the data. So um, teaching is is multifaceted work, and so teachers talked about learning and changing their practice in a variety of ways. And we sort of made sense of that by thinking of uh, affective growth, social growth, cognitive growth, and identity growth. Um, so one of the first things that was really apparent in the data is that teaching is emotional work, and I think all of us who have taught know it is very emotional work, and sort of the traditional professional development um, treats teaching as this purely technical um, act. So you just need to learn some technical skills and implement them. But uh, I think you know, we all know it is very emotional. And so the, the, the teachers talked a lot in their responses about affective benefits of their PLNs and, and ways that it supported um, their emotional sort of strength and growth and persistence in the field. So you know, we saw a lot of teachers talking about how their PLNs energized them or engaged them, inspired them, invigorated them. And so that was, was one part of, of what they learned from their PLN or how they grew from their PLN was really emotional growth and strengthening. Um, and then we also saw a lot of teachers talk about the, the social nature of PLN. So sort of related to this emotional component of teaching is the fact that uh, teaching has often been pretty isolating. So teachers have tended not to have a lot of opportunities to process their teaching experiences with other adults. And PLNs really give teachers an opportunity to do that, to, to get outside of their, their classroom uh, and talk to other educators about their successes, their failures, um, and, and process all of that stuff. One of the things that I think is apparent in our data is that sort of isolation is, is actually a choice now, that, that there are so many ways that teachers can connect via PLNs that, and, and find their tribe. Um, so when I taught in Japan for those two years, I was very isolated, and I really had no choice. There weren't a lot of ways for me to find other educators to talk to. There were all kinds of barriers with language and, and geography and things like that. But teachers today really don't have a, huge, a lot of excuses uh, not to get connected, and we saw people in our data uh, finding their tribes on, on, through their PLNs, getting connected both to like-minded peers and then those diverse perspectives. So it was interesting. It wasn't just finding other people like me on Twitter or through blogs. It was also getting access to sort of new ideas, things that weren't being talked about in my district. We've actually had discussions in our, our group when we were doing this research about this too. I, I think there's some growth that educators could make there too. Um, I think you do see different perspectives, but I think we can also get kind of in that uh, bubble where we hear a lot of like-minded perspectives or just culturally similar perspectives, you know. I think that's an interesting question of PLNs. How much do they help us engage with new ideas, new cultures, new people? Mm -hmm. In terms of impact on teaching, one of the things that the, the teachers talked about is how the emotional and the social support allowed them to take more risks. So uh, they felt like, I can go teach in a different way because if I stumble, I've got this network that I can go to and they can help me problem solve and teach in a different way. Interesting. I wonder why. Is it just because they, they feel supported? They feel like they have a, a place to talk about their failures afterwards? 
and get ideas. So both the support and then the ideas. So you can say, you know, I tried this flipped learning activity or I tried Genius Hour, I tried PBL. Does anybody have some advice? You know, this didn't work. Based on your experience, what, what advice would you give me? And so when you, you know, at your school, you might only have a couple people in your content area or a couple people yeah. trying the same thing as you. But when you go out to a bigger PLN, there's just more ideas that you can hear from other people. So other than the teacher being a bit more, uh, is, it, is brave the right word or brave? Yeah. I think we kind of like brave. Risk, uh, risk takers, I think. Risk takers in the classroom? Yeah. How else would it impact their students? Like, how does it impact student learning? So it, it was really interesting because I think that's a question that hasn't been asked much. Like, so a lot of teachers are on engaging in PLNs, but like, does it actually affect their classroom practice? Like, or do they become better teachers? Do their students learn more? And I think those are uh, difficult questions to get at. So we asked teachers that. Um, and, you know, in a survey like this, you're not going to get all of the the answers to that question, but it did give us a few hints and ideas at, at what teachers are thinking. And I think one of the most interesting things to me was that they, a lot of the benefits teachers saw for themselves, they felt that those extended to their students. You know, they felt like they were more engaged and excited and they were risk t- takers and they were more confident and they felt like their students started doing those same things. And so I thought that was very fascinating. Um, and that could just be because they're setting the tone in their own classrooms and you know, they're starting to look at learning in new ways. And as they're lear- they change the way they look at learning as this collaborative process, then their students start to exhibit some of those same characteristics. Um, they also saw, you know, more social aspects of learning, um, more collaboration with each other, even collaborating with people outside of their classes. And even in some cases, they saw their students starting to build online PLNs, you know, start to connect with other people. Interesting. Um, and, you know, there's, there's one teacher who talked about um, students learn from and with some people in Egypt and how they started to be able to have these conversations outside of class that really extended beyond just like what they had to do. And so I, I think it's it's interesting. And then the last like part was that they also had cognitive benefits. You, they, some teachers did say, like, I saw students do better academically. I saw them get higher test scores. But I also just saw them be more reflective and have a, a better disposition mm-hmm. towards learning. And so I think all of those things um, indicate just kind of a, a, a positive the positive impact that PLNs can have. And, you know, it's hard to tell how much teachers are also just kind of like looking in the mirror and seeing what they want to see. But I think there's certainly some some good signs there. Um, the one thing that was also interesting, though, is about 20% of our of our teachers did have either unclear or vague responses. And the, some of the most interesting ones were ones where they, they we asked them, so how did this affect your student learning? And they just actually went back and talked more about their teaching. So everyone wasn't able to articulate it, which I think does indicate that there could, for example, be some, you know, more reflection in how we engage with PLNs to ensure that it's not just about like us gaining satisfaction and feeling, you know, that we're able to engage with others, but that that learning does extend to students. I know whenever I'm trying out something new that I'm very excited about, something that I am taking a risk and I'm like totally excited about, my students kind of get that in that kind of like it puts this learn, it makes the, it makes the activity a lot more engaging. Uh, because I'm bringing my level of excitement into it. And I think perhaps maybe the risk-taking and the excitement of teachers doing that, that might also kind of be a, a benefit to uh, benefit to their students. Yeah, and I think you're a great example, Michael, because I know you constantly try stuff out that you hear about online. Like, you I know, do. You know what I mean? So it, the creativity that's online does extend into your classroom, and that's what a lot of teachers said. Nice. So you have all the research. I realize that you know I can become a risk-taker in my classroom – 
how do I actually get a PLN? What's this actually mean for the classroom teacher? Well, I think um, everyone has a PLN, which is what we discovered. Um, it's just, you know, the how far it extends, right? Your PLN could be, for me, it could just be my husband, who's an ed tech teacher in elementary school, and I could just go home and talk about my research. He could share his experiences, and, you know, that could be um, a good starting point. So, um, you know, because teachers in general like to learn and um, hopefully have at least one person they can connect with. Um, but I think when you really benefit from PLNs is when you start to expand your networks, especially beyond your face-to-face contacts. And that's what Jeff was talking about. Nowadays, it's pretty easy to do that with social media tools. Um, so that's one thing the three of us have really been thinking about is how to help teachers um, enrich the PLNs that they have or cultivate uh, broader PLNs to help their professional interests, needs, and goals. I like that I already have one, according to you. You're already starting with one. You work with people. You talk to people. It's just about increasing that, and I think that's kind of a neat way to start off. So teachers, if you're listening, you have a PLN. Congratulations. (laughs) Now, how do I increase the effectiveness of that PLN? And I think that's a really important question because, you know, if it's just me and my husband talking about... um, ed tech, uh, I'm not really getting the diverse perspectives. I'm not getting a broad range of ideas. You know, it's, it's hard when you have, even if you have a PLN that's a few people's, it's, it's hard to um, really get the in-depth learning that meets your professional interests, goals, and needs um, with just a few people that you're connected with. Um, so one of the things that we've been working on is a framework to help teachers identify uh, their PLN um, to reflect upon it and to be intentional intentional about how to enrich their PLNs. Um, and so the identification piece, these are three different pieces, really focuses on encouraging educators to be thoughtful about examining uh, three different aspects of their PLN, the people, the tools, and the spaces. So people are just, you know, who is in my PLN? Who do I connect with? Um, spaces is, you know, where do I go to learn? Is it online? Uh, is it face-to-face, Twitter, uh, certain blogs? Um, and then tools um, is, you know, what are the tools that I acquire from my PLN? And by tools, we don't just mean like new technology and apps, but tools that really enhance your teaching and learning. So new teaching strategies, new ideas, new ways of thinking about teaching and learning um, as well as, you know, apps, resources, websites, uh, you know, other technologies as well. So I think the very first step in that framework is is being um, is thinking about, you know, what is my PLN? If I have one, who who's in it uh, and what do I gain from it? And once you've sort of figured out what your existing PLN is, you need to reflect on how can I expand it strategically? What What's missing? What can I add to it? I think a lot of people, when they first uh, get engaged with sort of the educator communities on social media, it's just a lot of fun initially, and that's great. And and teachers just enjoy this this opportunity to to chat with more educators and get connected and and feel like um, they're part of a, the bigger profession instead of just my my one school. And we think it's important to, to once you've sort of experienced that initial fund, to make sure that you're moving uh, your PLN towards extending, deepening your learning. And so 
you know, going back to what Tori said about the diversity of perspectives, making sure that your PLN is not an echo chamber, that it's not just the people who only think like you, um, that, that you're being exposed to ideas that you wouldn't get from your district. Um, and, and also thinking about the spaces, you know, so Twitter uh, is a great place to start, but maybe it's not the space for all of the kinds of conversations that you need to have to really push yourself forward. And so maybe you need to figure out, okay, so do I need to vo- join a Voxer group where I can have some more extended conversations with some folks, or is there a Reddit group that um, can meet my needs? So so finding the right spaces and, and also um, being reflective about the tools you're using. What's the real benefit for my students learning from these tools? Not just that it's the coolest, shiniest new object. Once you've then identified like the people, spaces, and tools, and then you've reflected on those same things, um, the last part of our little framework is that, okay, so now make a plan. You know, Be intentional. Have an intention about what are my PLN goals just to kind of make sure you're getting the best out of it. We're not here to suck the fun out of PLNs and say, you know, don't just do what you want, but just make sure that you're like, you're moving in a direction that you think is going to be beneficial. So you should think about things like, you know, with whom should I engage to enhance my professional growth? You know, should I reach out to some new people? Should I add people from other countries and other cultures? Um, Should I, do I have a great relationship with this person? I learn from them a lot. I need to spend more time with that person. And this other person is really not helpful at all. They bring me (laughs) down and I'm going to eliminate them from my PLN circle or at least lessen time with them. And then just the same thing. I mean, like, you know, you may just discover like, you know, I love Twitter, but like I actually get way more out of being in this Edmodo community. Like I get more specific stuff that helps my teaching. And even though it's a little like more pragmatic and less fun, maybe I should try to spend a little more time there to improve, you know, what I could do for my students and then just continue to think about how to explore and advance your, you know, your learning by figuring out what what tools and things best contribute to, you know, my goals as a, an educator. So so we just think it's it's about being intentional, and that's any like anything, and, and it can just help take your PLN to hopefully the next level. So we have Twitter, Edmodo, Reddit. What are some other places that teachers can go to increase, to expand their PLN? Voxer is quite popular, oh, right. um, or it seems to be increasing in popularity these days. And, and Twitter is public, uh, and some conversations are good to have in front of everybody. And sometimes educators need to talk not with everybody in the universe listening. And, and Voxer uh, is a way to create smaller uh, conversations where sometimes you can maybe dig into stuff that, that doesn't need to be out in the public. I think there's uh, lots of spaces. It's, it's, I, I wouldn't even know how to start naming them all. I just, you know, like a whole bunch of things just started flashing through my head. I mean, Pinterest is another really popular um, PLN tool for K-12 teachers. And Google Plus Communities actually is really growing because a lot of teachers have Google Apps for Education, so they have mm-hmm. Gmail accounts. So Google Plus Communities are kind of a almost like Facebook-like group where you don't have to be on Facebook to connect with colleagues or students. Um, but also, you know, massive open online courses through Coursera, uh, Twitter chats, uh, just following blogs. There's thousands of blogs out there. So, um, and there's a really good podcast I hear. <laughs> Ed camps are also a great place to build your PLN. So, so that's, that's a face to face, yeah, face to face on conference where you can meet some of the people you already know through Twitter or Vox or whatever. And you can meet new people. Those relationships often get deepened when you have met the person first to face to face. And you can probably continue to meet people and continuing ed courses 
or at professional developments. Uh, I'm going to Mount Vernon next week. And so I imagine I'm going to increase my PLN next week. I'm very excited about that. Yeah, very intentional about it. I'm very, see, very intentional. Yeah, when um, you when you get there, if you meet someone who doesn't seem beneficial to your PLN, just be like, drop be like, I'm sorry, I don't think this is going to work out. <laughs> That'll be a really awkward conversation to have. <laughs> well, listen, thank you so much for uh, for coming on today. Um, and so, um, you guys, I'm I'm on every episode. You can find me on on Twitter uh, at Dan Kretka is probably the best way to connect with me. Um, Tori and Jeff, how can people connect with you two? Yeah, Twitter as well for me, at Tori Trust. And I'm at Doc Carpenter. And we also um, have most of our work. We have ResearchGate and Academia.edu profiles. In, and um, we also have a website, um, professionallearningnetworks.com. And we're going to be oh. posting our research there. And we'll link to that in the show notes. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We hope to continue the conversation online and in other spaces. Great meeting you. Great thank meeting you. you. And if you haven't already, uh, subscribe to Visions of Education on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you write us a five-star review, we'll totally read it on the air. Please, write us a five-star review. It's very exciting when we get them. Think about all the time in your life. You have time to write us one. So, again, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Dan Kretka. (laughs) And I'm at 42 Think Deep. And until next time, this is the Vision of Education podcast signing off.